Welcome to the Built On Air Podcast, the variety show for all things Airtable. In each episode, we cover four different segments. It's always fresh and different and lots of fun while you get the insider info on all things Airtable. Our hosts and guests are some of the most senior experts in the Airtable community. Join us live each week on our YouTube channel every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern and join our active community at BuiltOnAir.com. Before we begin, a word from our sponsor, OnToAir Backups. OnToAir Backups provides automated Airtable backups to your cloud storage for secure and reliable data protection. Prevent data loss and set up a secure Airtable backup system with OnToAir Backups at OnToAir.com. As one customer, Sarah, said, Having automated Airtable backups has freed up hours of my time every other week and the fear of losing anything. Longtime customer David states, OnToAir backups might be the most critical piece of the puzzle to guard against unforeseeable disaster. It's easy to set up, and it just works. Join Sarah, David, and hundreds more Airtable users like you to protect your Airtable data with OnToAir backups. Sign up today with promo code BUILTONAIR for a 10% discount. Check them out at OnToAir.com. And now let's check out today's episode and see what we built on air. Welcome back to the Built on Air podcast. We are in season 16, episode 6. Good to be with you. We've got myself, Dan Fellers, Camille Parks, and Scott Rose back with us today. Hello, hello. Good to have everyone with us. Glad you could join us. Uh, The Built on Air podcast is an hour-long show. We'll talk through a few items. I'll walk you through what we're going to be doing today. We always start with our round the bases to go through with what's new and what's going on in the communities. Then a shout out to our primary sponsor on to air. And then Camille's going to do some scripting and show us a workaround for sync collaborator field limitations. And then Scott's going to walk through automations and working with arrays inside of make and Airtable. And then a shout out to join our community. And then finally, I'll end with an app from the marketplace, TabGraph, and other ways to visualize your data. So we'll go through with round the bases. All right, let's start off with our built on air community. Um, This show revision history is apparently new. Um, And this is in interfaces, right? On the detail sheet. Mm-hmm. So before, did they just have comments? Yes. Comments. All right. So now you can actually see the revision history in the interface. I wasn't able to find it in my instance, which again, is going to be a running theme for me this episode. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, previously you only had the comments um, elements that you could add on and then Revision history was added. I think if you turn them both on at the same time, they will occupy the same space. Like in the data view, you can like switch between show me both of them, show me one or show me the other. Um, So it's not going to be like two things on the page, I don't believe. One thing that's missing from the comments, I don't know if they've added this recently, but in, when you're back in the grid view and there's comments on a record, they give you the little number in the left margin of how many comments are on that record. Yeah. That used to never appear on interfaces. Do you know if they have added that to interfaces now? It is present on full screen list views. It might even be non-full screen list views. Um, uh, they'll. It appears somewhere. I feel like when you s- start to group it, it will tell you how many it's not in the place that I expected to find it. Interesting. Um, yeah, but it it it's sometimes there. And I do wonder um, um, I do have it on my separate instance now, revision history. It will include things like interface edits, um, extensions, automations, and external applications. So if you have your API or your personal access token connected, wow. Um, it will, that will show up um, and it will probably say like anonymous or the person whose personal access token was used. So that's helpful. Um, It's not just changes that were made within the interface. It's the holistic revision history. Very cool. 
cool. I'll check. I'll check into that comments thing, and I'll maybe I'll present that in a future episode. <laughs> Sounds good. But yeah, and it that's, does that's, occupy that's, the same space. I'm just checking on my secondary laptop. It's you toggle between which one you want to see at the time, and you can look at both if you wanted. Nice. Uh, but it is only on the detail sheet, so on your main one, mm -hmm. you don't see it, unfortunately. <laughs> so Kavan is. It may not be seeing it yet, so maybe it hasn't fully rolled out. <laughs> yeah, it's um, that's a shame. Yeah. So coming soon, maybe. All right, next one. This one actually Scott posted. Um, this was uh, yeah five days ago. Zapier sent out an email to all Zapier users that had an Airtable connection that they automatically moved your connection over to OAuth, which I thought is interesting because the whole point of OAuth is that it requires your permission. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, exactly. So I was confused about, I guess they've been working with Airtable behind the scenes to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause I didn't get that privilege as from Montuaire where they didn't give us that option. Right. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's very interesting, right? Because OAuth, OAuth is make, right? What's that, Camille? Make didn't get the same. No, I no. guess they was like, which integration platform has the most amount of users? I guess, and then maybe Zapier fit the bill. Yeah. yeah, I think like Airtable considers Zapier like an official partner, and Make mm -hmm. is, I guess. They're not an official, quote unquote. No. I don't know. Yeah, they don't have as strong a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. But it'll be interesting to see. Did it, I think, was there a date in there when they said it would happen or has it already happened? I, I forgot what they said in the letter. Yeah, it already happened. Yeah. That's, that's amazing because it is a pain to migrate all of your make scenarios over to OAuth or to personal access tokens because you got to go through every single module on every single scenario. But for Zapier to do this automatically, that's that's incredible. And I didn't hear any complaints. A, two, a week before, probably in preparation, they had issues with their OAuth and everybody was complaining. They were likely getting it ready for this or something. Yeah. Right, right. But I didn't hear any issues with this announcement. Yeah. That's that's amazing. If you refresh this, though, by the way, if you refresh this, I have a new comment that I added earlier this morning. Uh, there it is. I still love Make better than Zapier because somebody asked me there mm -hmm. how easy is it to transfer from Zapier to Make, and then I gave a whole bunch of different reasons why I like Make better. And uh, so, even though this is super super cool, mm -hmm. I would still use Make yeah. any day any day of the week. Right, right, right. Yeah, and you mentioned that you I'm only work. Well, I'm sorry. What was that? Oh, yeah. That you, yeah, you're only doing make or migrating people to make. Yeah. Well, a, a useful feature for either make or Zapier in general would be to like, if you have a scenario um, or a Zap recipe or whatever they're called, and you have like 10 modules of the same like platform, being able to bulk update them to pick from the same authentication details or to target the same Airtable table or something like that, you know? Um, because to your point earlier, it is a one by one by one, which makes sense, but it'd be nice if you had the option to beyond Airtable making this uh, sweeping change to their API access. Sometimes you just wanna use a different credential and having to do that one by one um, is a pain. That is true. You know, you just reminded me there is a backdoor way of doing it um, using a uh, the old Integromat extension for the Chrome browser. It's highly, highly sophisticated. You got to go behind, you got to go into the extension and then you bring up a console and you type in some code and it will go through and it'll change it all. I should, I got to find that post. Somebody posted how to do that somewhere. This is a long time ago. And I was like, you know what? That's it's a lot of work. work. What's that? That's a lot of work. Or yeah. it's a lot of it's a little, sketchy, yeah. Maybe a little sketchy, maybe a little scary. 
Um, but there is some backdoor way of doing it in bulk. I'll see if I can find that that post somewhere. Yeah. I was too scared to do the backdoor way, though. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's still called Integromat. I I shudder to think it's been like two years now since they changed their name. I know, I know. Their their little Slack bot still says Integromat when you send stuff from Make to Slack. Great. I've got to talk to them about that. Yeah, yeah. All right, moving on. We got one more, uh, also from Russell. Unexpected filter behavior for a lookup. So he has, if you look here, he has a filter that says number of weeks um, equal to negative one. So he wants a filter where it's only negative one, but it returns anything that has a negative one in here. This is a lookup field. Um, and so as long as one of them equals negative one, it was returning. So that's interesting behavior on a filter. Which yeah. kind of makes sense because one of them equals negative one. For a yeah. yeah, but I guess if you're, it's hard with lookups because if you have multiples of the same, if you had two negative ones, it's still treated as two separate values rather than like an array, not an array, a roll up might, you know, if you do array unique would give you just one of the negative ones. And so there's a, there's, I guess, use cases where you would want it to be exactly one value and that value is negative one. And if it has multiple values, then that's a different case. Um, I don't, I don't know what the average user would say is expected behavior in this instance. I think Scott, in this thread, you said you might expect contains, and I think that's what I would expect as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting, and yet I understand why it did what it did. Also, it's kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if all of the formula fields, like if you said greater than negative two or something and as long as one of them is it would return yeah. true like i wonder if it filters for each element in the array it seems like it must be what it's doing right it seems like it's taking that filter and evaluating every single element yeah mm -hmm. of that array so I think but the... i feel like it should be an and operator because in this case negative four negative two negative one if i said if the value is greater than negative three, not all of those are greater than negative three. So I would expect it to return false for it to be filtered out. But because some of them are, is it gonna show up? I don't know. Yeah, we need to test this. Yeah, yeah. with equals, I get it. I'm, I'm ambivalent towards how they handle it with the array, but it's the greater than and less than that I'm more concerned with. Interesting. I think the outcome, and I think Kavan mentioned this, is like probably don't use lookups in your filters. <laughs> strange behavior. Well, it's fine for things like select options. It's great for select options, but it's poor for things like numbers. I think rollups are the better bet. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I wonder if that if the same behavior happens with rollups. It, wait, wait. I, it depends on how you set up the rollup because you could have a rollup appear effectively the same as it would if it were a lookup, or you could have it if you put max in there or min, it'll give you just one value and it'll right. be numerical. Right, right. Very interesting. I'm glad Russell found that. Russell finds a lot of these little gems. Yeah. It's Russell and Ben Bailey, I think, are the, <laughs> the two that discover everything for me. They're actually the writers behind this show. That's right. <laughs> they just don't get the royalties. They might go on strike. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, it's amazing. The it's it's great to know these little tiny gotchas that Ben and, and Russell find all the time. Yeah. Yeah. All right, moving on. Now we're in a Facebook community. Um, somebody posted an email that people may have received yesterday mm -hmm. from Airtable talking about some new features coming in Interface Designer. It doesn't give any screenshots. It just mentions a new collapsible left pane, um, improved right-hand properties, a new responsive interface canvas. 
and a new form builder coming soon. It says it'll be rolling out over the next few weeks. So I want to start by saying I'm happy they warned everyone this time. Because <laughs> the last time, the second to last time, I should say, um, they updated um, Interface Designer. They just sort of did it um, for detail pages and it added some things, but took a lot of things away. And like people were baffled. It was it wasn't explained how you could replicate some of your older layouts. Some of them you could if you like poked around and some of them you just couldn't. And some stuff is still missing. And so while there's no screenshots here, they do say they're going to roll them out over the next few weeks. And when they roll out, those will include um, screenshots of whatever feature just launched and whatever. So I'm, I am happy that we're being prepped. <laughs> sometime in the near future, these specific pieces of interface designer are going to change. And we're going to get more information as it happens. And it doesn't mean I'm going to like how they change when, once I see them with my eyes. <laughs> but I'm, you know, kudos for telling us ahead of time rather than just dumping it in there. It's so true. It's so true. But the interesting thing, what's so funny is we already have a collapsible left pane. So I guess this is a yes. new. So we were pane. talking about this in terms of what does this mean? Because one of the theories was it might have been sent in error because there is a collapsible left pane and technically the um, site sheets and detail pages, they already have a, a new responsive interface canvas. So right. was this an old email that accidentally got set? I think not. I think what's happening is although we have a collapsible left pane, I think we're getting a different collapsible left mm -hmm. pane because that has some issues. The one that's currently there, it doesn't give you a whole lot of information if it's completely collapsed. You know, it groups things maybe in not the way you want them grouped. Mm. Um, and the new responsive interface canvas only applies to detail pages. I think they're going to apply it to the blank layout, you know, mm. and then the form layout doesn't use it. And um, if you had that one, I think it's called record detail or something. It's the it's on the left-hand side and it lists them vertically. And on the right-hand side, you have this sort of blank sheet um that is a separate layout that doesn't use the same uh canvas engine so right. for bullet point two i think they're going to apply the detail page canvas you know i don't know engine to everything else that's how i read it um and then the new form builder like i said the current form builder doesn't use the same layout engine as um, detail pages, but they also mention um, make it even easier to design and share forms with any audience. To me, that reads as you'll be able to maybe uh, use it in lieu of a form view, mm -hmm. which you don't have to have an Airtable account to use. Right now, interface forms are, you, you must already be you must already have access to at least the interface, um, which means you need an Airtable account. So those are my guesses. I don't know, because there's not all the detail in here. I love when Camille reads the tea leaves. <laughs> I, I've got it because I am historically pretty bad at guessing what Airtable <laughs> means. And so I have to get these on camera. So in, I don't know, a month from now, we can look back and, and point out how many ways that I was incorrect. But but you know what's so funny though? Every single thing that you predicted, I, I was like, I was on board with with all of them. I was like, that's what I want. Yes, that's what I need. That's what I want. That's what I need. That's so not what know, hopefully, what's that, Dan? That's not what they gave us. Yeah. Usually. I know, but hopefully Camille's predictions will be right this time. All 100 percent of them. Fingers yeah. crossed. I think the the one in the middle, the responsive interface canvas is probably going to be the one that catches the most flack, no matter what they do. Sure. Um, just because everyone's used to the current canvas, right? You've already built it the way you've, you've built whatever you built. Um, and while the detail page canvas is pretty good for a lot of things, it's not great now for certain things. You still can't make everything span the full width. You still can't put a chart for whatever reason. Those are still gone. There's things that are missing. And because they're not launching them at the time of this email, I have hope that they make those kinds of tweaks and then 
make it reach every piece of interface designer. That's my hope, you know, take these little things that are, are missing to make it comparable to the current canvas with the new features that they've added. Yeah. But, you know, we'll, time will tell in the next few weeks or whenever they begin the rollout. I really hope they don't break people's old interfaces that are using the blank layout. Yeah. Because I have clients, you know, that have up to the maximum number of interface pages that you can have with, mm -hmm. you know, based on the blank layout. I hope that, I hope this will be a smooth transition. Yeah. I have a feeling that it's going to be okay for maybe even like 75% of interface pages because a lot of pages are kind of, you know, you put this next to this and that's it. But if you had like text elements every which way and then like a button that spanned the whole width for whatever reason, <laughs> those I anticipate breaking. And then again, you can't put charts on a detail page. So our, is the new canvas compatible with charts at all? If you had a chart, is it going to break? I don't know. And so those are the things I'm anticipating giving everyone the most grief. We shall see. Yeah. We shall see. So I, I believe this email just went out to enterprise customers um, is my is my thinking. So it likely will get rolled out initially to enterprise. So that's my guess. <clears throat> All right. One more uh, from Facebook. This one comes from friend Chris. Um, talking about, I don't know if you guys saw OpenAI had their like big showcase yesterday or the day before. Um, I think it was yesterday, and they were talking about you can they call them GPTs, custom GPTs, where you can basically create your own Chat GPT and feed it with just your data, and it kind of. My understanding is it creates like a memory layer on top of ChatGPT that is specific to what you want it to be. So Chris here is, uh, you know, throwing the gauntlet down. Whoever builds the Airtable GPT first wins. Um, but I had the same thought when I saw the video yesterday. I was like, okay, how can you put Airtable on top of this? So it, it's reading your Airtable data. I don't know if you guys have seen that. Yeah, but that's very cool that they're they're adding on that extra layer so you can have your own data powering ChatGPT's engine in a way. Which also kills, like there is so many startups that were basically just that, you know, like, a, mm -hmm. and yep. so this is going to, I think, kill a lot of startups. So that's very interesting. It reminds me of, oh, Camille, were you going to say something? No, it's just I I am distancing from various AI tools until like the dust settles. And so I, I'm just sort of waiting. Maybe next year I'll start playing around with these different things. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of I am anticipating like the big fish slowly but surely adding enough integrations or features that some of the smaller you know, more nimble tools are going to be made obsolete, which is a shame, but it happens in especially no code. So mm -hmm. just sort of waiting for it all to finish. Yeah, I feel the same way. I'm sort of waiting for the dust to settle on everything. Um, although my a bunch of clients are already using ChatGPT. However, you know, this also reminds me of this announcement that you were just talking about, Dan, is um, with Google Translate, as far, one of my clients came with came to me, they needed to translate uh, stuff on a daily basis in their Airtable base. But what they were finding was that Google Translate was translating words the wrong way. You know, like a word might have multiple different meanings in, in any language, you know, and Google Translate was picking the wrong meaning and they couldn't tell Google Translate how to do it. And we found another much more powerful translation tool called DeepL, which lets you upload your own glossary, your own dictionary. And so when they're translating stuff, um, it will pull first from your dictionary and your glossary. Basically, you know, I'm trying to come up with a good example. Like they, they make apparel. And so I, I can't even think of the word that that was that we, they were really hung up on, but it's some word for a piece of apparel, 
and it's something on the thing like a hood but and that that wasn't the word but hood means two th there were like multiple ways to say hood in french mm -hmm. one was the hood of an of a car the other one was a hood of a sweatshirt then was a hood of an animal's beak or whatever hood wasn't the word so this is not a good example but that this announcement reminds me of that, which is that if you're looking to translate something, there's also tools out there that are even better than Google Translate because you can just load it with all of your own data. Right. Yeah, that's a similar concept here. So <laughs> yeah, Wednesday, I wonder how Airtable is thinking about AI. We're gonna talk a little bit about that later, but um Right now it's kind of on a per record level. I think the next phase is to make it like across, at least across the entire table where it can digest all that data to, you know, so this might be a way to do that if they can incorporate the custom GPT feature inside your base. Yeah. Uh, I think it's the next step for Airtable AI. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's move on. Um, so this is also just kind of, a recap of um, things that came out that Airtable actually uh, mentions. So there's a there's a page Airtable.com slash what's new. You can also subscribe to this space um, to get notified whenever they add to it. But there's a couple of things in here that I don't know if we talked about all of them on previous shows. So there's actually quite a few in October. Um, like higher user group limits. I don't think we mentioned that one. So now you can go up to um, four and a half thousand, 4.5 thousand users in case anybody, oh, now it's 5,000 um, uh, workspace collaborators. And then before the user group size was a thousand and now it's four and a half thousand. So for you big <laughs> users having 5,000 collaborators or whatnot, you can now do that. What else was on here that we didn't mention? It's a lot of little things like um, the stuff for enterprise is cool and all, but they fixed like one of the silliest limitations that interfaces had specifically with the buttons that can trigger automations. Now you can have multiple buttons triggered the same automation. So you don't have to have identical automations all triggered by their own special little button. And um, while the automation is running, it will like show you an in-progress state. So your users know that the thing isn't done yet. So little things, but very you know nice to see. Um, and then updates to record details in Interface Designer goes over the uh, changes that we were kind of talking about previously, sections or in our groups, and you can now have the same field appear in multiple places, that kind of stuff. So. It's, um, I think, pretty comprehensive of the major changes um, that have happened over the last, I think, two months. And they added a status to buttons when it's in progress, it will actually change. Yeah. I think that's cool. But, I, think they, I think they got that idea from all of us because we've been, as a consultants, we've been doing that. Right. We'll select menus. If you pull down an option, yep. run automation, we change it to like running or something or in progress. Yep. Yeah, yeah, my for the longest time, my completed state would just be like the hourglass emoji. And I would say processing instead of complete because I know it's not done. And when it's done, it'll just go back to run now. So this is kind of formalizing that. Um, so now you can have a truly complete stage. I love yeah. that. I love that. All right, couple more quick ones. This one is from Table Forums. Just kind of a reminder, this isn't new, but somebody uh, pointed out um, if you search for a filter in the in the filter search box, it will actually show you view or for a view, excuse me, it will show you views in other tables, which is good and bad. I think Scott, you mentioned that sometimes that's frustrating. Yeah, me and Kavan get a little frustrated by that behavior. When you're searching for views, especially because view of like views, let's say you're just searching for grid view and you type grid, let's say, or any name view that's in multiple tables, it'll show you all the views across all the tables. Um, and so it will, if you're not paying attention, you may choose the view and it jumps you to another table and you weren't expecting that. Yeah, yeah. So. Just a reminder, be careful of that. 
Yeah, it's kind right. of cool and also unexpected, but okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here's another uh, trick from Troy on, on X, um, talking about if you have commas in like your, your primary field, you need to be careful um, if when you have the lookup um, because it will, in automations, it will get treated as a separate entity. Um, so you gotta be careful. So he says, um, add double quotes around the dynamic variable. I think that means in the automation like this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that way, um, it, that it will take into account uh, each individual one instead of treating them separately. So, nice. or try to avoid commas in your primary field if possible, because it will wreak havoc. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, last one. This one is a follow-up. Um, we've talked about this. There was. There was a big Twitter thread about how much Airtable is worth, what their multiple is, what their revenue targets are. And then there was some clarification of it. And anyways, if you want to hear the latest directly from Howie Liu, CEO of Airtable, um, he sat down with Jason Calacanis, who is the host of This Week in Startups and also another um, all-in podcast um and so he talks with him for an hour this one's just a 10 minute clip the there's a link that we'll put directly to the youtube of the full hour um long interview i listened to it i thought overall it was kind of good he shared things that um that um weren't obvious before so did clarify some things i think they can add into their messaging but i don't know if either of you listened to any of it no, not yet. Yeah, not yet. Yeah, it's worth it. He talks about AI and what they're planning to do. He does kind of imply that they will add AI across all their data, not just on the per record level, um, things like that. Talks about the strategy of like enterprise, how they are moving enterprise, but they still recognize and value all customers, especially the self-serve is the term he uses for people that, um, that, uh, learn it and introduce it in other areas. So anyways, that's, uh, that concludes our round the bases. We'll move forward. Uh, quick shout out to onto air. If you are using your data in Airtable for anything of value in your business, best practice is that you have it backed up outside of Airtable. That's where onto air backups comes in. Um, try it out. You can set up your backup in minutes and rest sure that your data is being backed up outside of Airtable. We currently support Box, Dropbox, and Google Drive, and it will back up all your data and um, your your attachments. And coming very soon, your, your schema, your meta information, that's coming soon. Um, I also will announce for those legacy Air, onto Air users, we have extended um, the deadline of, of when it will go away. It was originally end of this month. We've pushed that out six months, um, but no support, no feature development on anything other than our backups. So if you're uh, onto our user and you've still been hanging around um, and haven't transitioned away to some of the alternatives, you have a little bit more time to procrastinate that. So make that announcement. Nice. Okay, Camille and scripting time. Let's see what you got. Okay, so what this was supposed to cover was a limitation that I saw in a different instance that I'm demoing now. Um, the basic gist was I had a table that was synced in from somewhere else in Airtable and I had a collaborator field and I had two problems. One, the collaborator field was coming in as plain text and I couldn't convert it back into a user field. And two, um, a workaround I had was to create a new uh, user field on that table and then just copy the values over. Um, I could do that by doing control Z and then control V, but for whatever reason, um, an automation um, using the update record step couldn't perform that same action. So this is kind of, stuck 
Um, but that always worked doing the control C and control V, but for whatever reason, an automation using an update record step always failed. Of course, in the instance I'm in, A, this did sync in as a user field, and B, the update record step will actually run with no issues, but I'm still gonna show the um, workaround that I had anyway, because you might be in an instance like mine that doesn't have this um, working the way um, it should. I did contact Airtable support about it and they were able to replicate the issue I was seeing and didn't really have an answer for me. So this was the answer I developed on my own. So the first step um, is... What, what's uh, the error that it gives? It would say um, unknown error. If I... Unknown error. Yeah, th th that's always fun. It was like, <laughs> perform this action. Let me really quickly, I'm wondering if I can pull it up. I have a separate laptop with the other instance open, but it was some very unhelpful error. And I think part of the issue might have been that um, it was, um, we were using user groups as well. So, um, but it didn't matter if the, you know, the record itself had a user group in it, it just wouldn't work no matter what. Um, and then the error was just like, could not perform this action, an unknown error occurred. Um, and so the first thing is, um, it when I, in my other instance, this user field was syncing in like this, right? It was just a plain text of, usernames. And if I try to change its um, type, I can't even select user or collaborator. So that option was out. Um, the solution I came up with is to update my new user field with a script, but um, you can't supply just the names to um, a script. You need to give it uh, the user ID. And in order to do that back in the original table, what I did was I just created a user IDs field, which is a simple, um, simple single line text field. And I have one automation that um, takes um, whenever the collaborator field is updated, it will just input um, the list of the user IDs. So that way I have, you know, a unique set of user IDs coming in. And in the instance that I have multiple people within my, you know, workspace who are named Clark Kent, um, it knows which Clark Kent to pick. So blessing in disguise, I guess. Um, the script itself is really simple. So we're assuming that this step isn't here because it doesn't work in my instance. So I'm just going to delete it. Um, the script that I wrote just has two inputs, which is the record ID I'm trying to update and what are the user IDs that are coming in. So I'm importing them from input.config. And then this uh, piece is a little over-engineered, but I'll explain why. In the original use case, it was actually a lookup of user IDs. So it was possible to have the same user ID appear multiple times, as is the nature of lookups. So what I did was I created a set. Um, in JavaScript, a set is similar to an array, except multiple values or duplicates are condensed down to just a unique set of whatever you supplied it with. Mm. So that way, I'm sure to only get one user ID once. Um, and then it's possible for user IDs to be blank. Um, if I go back to my original, right, there's nothing in these two. So there's nothing in these two. So I don't want the automation to fail. So that's what um, this operator is doing. It's saying, if there are no user IDs, if it returns false, then give me a blank array, then make a set out of it, meaning give me just the unique values and then turn it back into a regular array. And then from there, I'm mapping it out just to get it in the format that Airtable wants it, um, which is an object with a single key value pair, ID, and then the ID I'm trying to um, pass it. And then from there, it's just doing table.updateRecord um, with the 
name or the ID of the field that you're trying to insert these IDs into, and then the formatted array that we created up here. A very simple script to solve a very simple, strange and um, inconsistent um, error in Airtable. But at the end of the day, when I run this, I should see basically this same thing in this new field. So I'm going to do a test of this automation and hope for the best. <laughs> and there we have it. So again, a very, very simple script um, with not much to it, but it is the only workaround I could think of if you have the problem that I had and that your user was coming in as just this. You, and, and for whatever reason, the update record step wasn't working for you. Um, a script like the one I showed is um, a simple way to do it. And because um, I'm doing this every time this field is updated, basically, um, you can update the record one at a time without having to do it in batches. Um, and that's it. And Camille, back in the uh, source phase, that was all at the very beginning, you're saying that was also a script which grabbed the user IDs and put them in the fields? It's actually not a script. It's just a regular update record. And when you select, I'll delete this out and show exactly what I did. Um, I'm getting the collaborator field, and then it asks you what about this collaborator field you want to insert. Uh -huh. And I just said, make new list of IDs. Um, you might have been able to get away with email. I'm not sure, but IDs is like the safest for me. So inserting the um, ID, and then this it's triggered for anytime you update the list of subscribers, then update the list of IDs. Nice. I forgot that the automations reveal all that information about the user field. That's very yeah. helpful. Just like so it does. Going for back in it, just so that everyone sees, you can get the length. So how many um, users are attached? Um, you can get the ID. You can get the email, the name, and then the profile pictures of each. I'm pretty sure if you had, uh, if you selected a user group as one of the users in your field, the email that is returned is everyone's email who's in that group. Oh, wow. Yeah. But the mm. IDs is the group ID, not yes. each person's. It's a singular ID of the group itself. And then the email, there is no, when you create a group in Airtable, you don't give it an email. So the email it returns is everyone's email. Wow. So something to be aware of. Yeah, that's interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Fascinating. That's great. Even <laughs> if we don't stumble into that bug that you stumbled into, there's still a ton to, to learn from this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that just, yeah, understanding collaborator fields and syncing them across. Yeah, good stuff. It's, it's also, and I don't know if how new this is, but when I tried um, to add people as part of a demo, um, because there's no, this space isn't shared with anyone, I haven't had this pop up before. Um, I don't know how new this is, but you could type in any email, and if you're an Airtable collaborator, it will eventually find their information and input their user IDs. And if you're not an Airtable collaborator, it, it just sort of gives up and says unknown. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they've had that for a while now. You can do that for, and, and also that's helpful with interfaces if you want to invite someone who's not yeah. a collaborator to, you know. At the time, yeah. Yeah, at the time, yep. Yeah. Okay, that's a Very interesting. Very cool. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. We'll move on, Scott, if you want to share your screen. Yes. That's going to walk through uh, arrays. We've already talked a bit about arrays. We're going to go deeper into that. And we're yes. That was very, um, that was a very good timing that that guy posted about arrays. Yep. Okay. All right. So I am going to talk about um, arrays in Airtable because there are some fields like the collaborator field, or I guess the user field, they call it now, 
Um, wait, did they call it user or collaborator? I don't it's know. now called user. It was no. originally called collaborator. I use them interchangeably, even though I shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, I think collaborator will always be stuck in my mind. Um, yeah. So some fields in Airtables in Airtable are actually arrays. So the user field is one of those. Um, the attachment field is one of those. Uh, the linked record fields is another one. Uh, lookup fields we talked about earlier. And multiple select. Multiple select fields, thank you very much. Um, Roll-ups are also arrays. So there are fields in Airtable that are arrays. But what's interesting to note is that there's actually two different types of arrays. There's simple arrays and there's complex arrays. Complex arrays are also known as an array of objects. And you can see this if you look at Airtable's API reference and one thing that I really love about Airtable's API reference is that you can actually scroll through a list of all your bases here, and you can choose one of your bases, and it'll actually show you the API uh, calls based on the actual data that's in your base and the actual field names you're using. So it's super, super easy to look through the, co the code and because it's, it's actually showing you your own data. So... For example, we're going to be working today with this flower orders database where I've got this database of customers and I've also got another table here called products. And for each customer, they can have a whole bunch of favorite products. So if I look into the Airtable API page here and I go to the customers table and I scroll through my fields here, you will see that if I scroll down to the favorite products field right here, it tells me that this field, because it's a linked record field, it is an array of record IDs. And it shows me what that looks like right here. So there's the square brackets. This is how you denote an array, uh, you know, in curl, probably in JavaScript as well, even though I don't know yes. JavaScript. Great. It's Thank, the you. Same. Thank you so much. Um, and let me go back to where that was. And you will see that the arrays... Uh, each each value has quotation marks around it and then commas separated. So that's a array separated by commas there. However, that, so that's a simple array. However, you'll notice that we also have an attachment field here where we are allowing our customers to upload as many different photos that they want into the system. Maybe it's photos of all the flowers, flower arrangements that they've made with our products. And if we go back into Airtable's API here and we scroll up to that attachment field, now you'll see here's customer photos here. Now this is actually a complex array, also known as an array of objects. So it's showing us here that it does get a little trickier. Um, now, one thing to note is that Airtable only requires the URL field for attachments. So um, it, it actually only requires one value in the in in each part of the array, but you can have many different things that are part of each um, object is what they call it that you send to Airtable. So you can see that here's those square brackets that we saw before. There's one there, and there's one all the way down there. But in between it, we've got the curly brackets. And in between the curly brackets is where there's a whole bunch of other different things, like the URL, the file name. Those are technically the only two things that we can actually send to Airtable. What they're showing us here is these are the responses that we might get back from Airtable. But the things that we can send to Airtable are the URL and the file name. Um, so it, it gets a little trickier. So, you know, whether you're working with JavaScript or you're working with, maybe you're just testing things out in Postman or whatever, it's really important to know how to structure simple arrays versus complex arrays to get your information into Airtable. But because a lot of people are using Airtable because they want to do it in a no-code, low-code way, a lot of people are turning to Make. I'm the biggest Make fanboy, I think, because I use it all the time and I love it. And I wanted to show you how you can handle both simple arrays and complex arrays in with Make when you're communicating with Airtable. 
So the first thing I want to show you, so these are three different things I want to show you. So this is line one, this is line two, this is line number three down here. So these are three different demos here. So this first line right here is I just want to create a record in Airtable. And so what I've done here is I've used the set multiple variables module here. And I've created two variables here. I've created a variable called customer name. And our first customer is called Steve. And then I've created um, another variable called favorite products. And he has two favorite products. He, he loves 12 tulips, comma. And then the next product he loves is six tulips. And if we go back into my database here, you will see that on the products page, we have 12 tulips. Tulips is one of the uh, products and six tulips is the other one. So for our new customer that we're going to create, his name is going to be Steve. And we want him to have two products showing up here. And this is a linked record field. And this is a simple array. Now, the reason I'm showing it to you like this is because this is what a lot of people think that you may want to do. This actually goes directly to the tweet that you showed us a minute ago, Dan. Um, I guess I shouldn't be calling them tweets anymore. But they're, they're tweets. What's that? <laughs> they're tweets. They're tweets. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so all I did was type in the name of the first product, a comma, and the name of the second product. Let's see what happens if I run this. Oh, I'll show you what I'm doing over here. I'm creating a record in Airtable, and I'm pulling the customer name. Oh, you know, I changed that variable. I'm pulling the customer name from here. And then down here, I am choosing favorite products. Um, so now... It actually shows it as an array with those little brackets because I was testing this before the show. Normally, it wouldn't show you those brackets there, um, but you'll see in a second what I'm talking about. So I'm going to run this, and it's going to run that, and now we're going to go into Airtable, and we will see that... Oh, wait. Let me refresh this. There we go. I just had to refresh the screen there. You'll notice that Steve now has only one favorite product. If we go into the products it actually created a brand new product here called 12 tulips comma six tulips because and then it linked into just that one product and the reason is because we sent Airtable text this is just text and Airtable looked at this as if it was this a quotation mark around this so how would you possibly turn this into an array well the cool thing is that Make has a ton of different array functions right here. And there's even more I'm going to show you in a minute. And what you can do is you can create your own array by starting with this add function right here. And what this says is this adds values to an existing array and then returns that array. So what you do is you choose the add function here, but you have to start off with an array. So we're going to start off with an empty array. And then you hit the semicolon. Uh, that's how, that's the separator that make uses. And we are going to put 12 tulips there. Then we're going to put another semicolon and then the closing parentheses. So this right here, we're going to add these two values, 12 tulips and six tulips. We're going to add them into the empty array and it's going to spit out an array. So now when we go here, um, it's gonna actually give us, it's funny now, it yeah, it removed those little brackets, but if I were to just run this module, it loads the data, it's like re-triggering it. And now you'll see the little brackets here. What that means is, that actually means an array. And that's the first thing, that's the first uh, object inside the array. So now what's gonna happen is, oops, these controls, Streaming controls are in my way. Okay, so now I'm going to say okay, and now we're going to run that. And now if we go into Airtable, we will see that we have a brand new Steve at the bottom here, and it did successfully link him to both of those products because Airtable recognized it as an array, and you could see that Steve's name is on both of these items right there. So I'm going to delete the wrong product right there. So that's how you deal with a simple array. And down here, oh, you know what? I think this is actually what I, 
Oh yeah, okay, cool. So now we're gonna move on to the complex arrays. So now let's say that we want to go back to our customers table and we wanna give customers the ability to upload as many photos as they want into this field. That's a complex array. So what we've done here is I've done the exact same thing uh, that I did up here. Remember we did, we used the, oh, to open this up, I'm gonna move this here. So we start with an empty array and then you add in all the values that you wanna add in. So when you send um, attachments to Airtable, you have to use URLs. You have to send Airtable URLs. So here, this is the exact same thing. It just looks a little more cluttered because these are actual URLs, but we're starting off with an empty array. And then I'm adding in one URL, two URLs, three URLs. And there's photos. There's just random photos that I took off the web that are located at each one of those URLs. And what we want to do is we want to send that into our attachment field right here, the customer photo field. So let's see what happens when I run this right here. I'm going to click on run once. And the problem is we actually get an error message. And it says, the error says an array of objects is expected. So the reason is because Airtable is expecting a complex array but we're sending it a simple array. And that goes back to what I was showing you in Airtable's API earlier. You could see that the array for an attachment field is much more complex than it is for the linked record field, where it was just a very simple um, uh, simple array. So, is, so you will not be able to send three URLs like that into Airtable. So instead, you have to create the complex array in Make. And this is how you would do it. So we're going to start off with the exact same array because you might be getting an array of an attachments from an email or something or an array of attachments from JotForm or some other product. So you're going to probably start off where it's coming in as an array. Um, if not, you can always aggregate it. But in this case, we're getting three attachments sent into us, let's say from Gmail. And then... What you actually have to do is you actually have to iterate through the array. You actually have to break down the array and then rebuild it again as a complex array. So what we're going to do is we're going to iterate through the array. So we have three URLs there. So it's going to iterate through all three and then we rebuild it. So what you do is you use the array aggregator to rebuild the array. And it asks you, where are all these individual URLs coming from? Well, they're coming from the iterator module because it needs one URL at a time. That's what makes asking for. It needs one piece of information at a time. And then it's asking you, okay, and which future module? So this is asking you what module in the past is are you pulling the data from and what module in the future are you sending this to? So you can't use the array aggregator for this until you put on your next module, which is our Airtable module. So what we're telling it is we want to feed into the customer photos field. And then it says, okay, great. Airtable is expecting a file URL and a file name. And this is optional. Airtable doesn't care about this. It'll create its own file name if you don't provide it. And what we tell it is we want to pull the URL, which is now called value from the iterator. So this is looping through our three URLs. It's spitting out three values. Each one of them is a URL. And we're saying, take that value, put it right here. And that is all you need to do. This right here creates the complex array. And then when you're going into Airtable, you pull the array that comes out of the array aggregator. So you're not pulling your initial array, you're pulling this array instead. And so now if I run this and I create, I'm creating a new customer in Airtable with three photos. If I go here, this customer was called Amy. And here are those three URLs. It pulled it into Airtable. And you can see here, this is where I set the name Amy, customer name Amy. And then here was my URLs. There is one bonus here. You might need to append. What if this person sent three more fields, three more photos in. 
How do you append? Well, check this out. If you want to update a record in Airtable, you use the merge function to take the existing array of customer photos and merge it with our array from this. So that's how you would add attachments into your existing attachment field instead of overwriting it. And when you use the merge feature, you have to be merging arrays that are identical. So you cannot merge a complex array and a simple array. You have to merge the complex and the complex. And so if I were to run this again and we create another customer called Amy, we should end up with six photos. And I put a little sleep in here just to give Airtable a chance to download three photos. And now if we go in here, we now have a brand new customer, Amy, with six attachments. We can't see all of them, but because we put in the first three and then we appended the last three. And that's it. And that's how you do it in a no-code, low-code way. <laughs> Very, Very low-code. <laughs> yeah, it just gives um, gives a glimpse into the power of Make and how you can really do anything programmatically in there. <laughs> oh, like, I don't think you can do this in Zapier. Maybe you can. Uh, this is like one of the major reasons you got to get off Zapier if you're using it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good stuff. All right, we're gonna we're gonna end the show there. We'll save we'll save the last segment for a future episode. So just a quick shout out to join our community at builtonair.com slash join. That'll get you into our Slack group and you'll interact with thousands of Airtable users. So we'd love to have you join if you're not in there already. And also subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'd love to see that grow as well. So thank you for joining and we will see you all next week on thank Built you. on Air. See you later. Thank you for joining today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to check out our sponsor, OntoAir Backups, automated backups for Airtable. We'll see you next time on the Built on Air podcast.